Hello everyone, welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season four and episode 16. Seeing the sunrise, it's about seeing Christ in your everyday situations. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33 and verse three, the Lord is speaking to the prophet and he's in prison. He said to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing behind the scenes, and in the lives of everyday people like you and me. From the pulpit to the pew, we all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ. Today, I want to talk to you about blessed assurance. I want to share this message because I think it is a message that can take us from now until the time we open our eyes on the other side of, on this side of heaven. And I was so blessed when I read it and, you know, the word of God is new every morning. So even if you've read this book before, listen to what the Lord has revealed to me. Philippians chapter one, and I'm going to read just a few verses in your hearing, beginning with verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will be in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I thought of this message and as the Lord laid it on my heart, I was so excited about what he revealed and I hope this message brings a level of comfort for you. As I prepared this message, I asked the Lord, what is it that you want me to convey this week to your people? And you find that sometimes when the Lord tells you something, it's an opportunity to just dig and really get to the heart of, of the message that he's given. And when you think about it, and as a preacher of the gospel, there are some times when we have to do sermon prep that, you know, you want to get those wonderful messages that are holly holly and hallelujah and Sometimes it's just not like that. Uh, preachers preach sermons on subjects that, you know, that really draw into the crowd that make them feel good. But even negative messages or messages about life and death or death in general can still be positive messages. And I want to share that with you today. So in Philippians chapter one, Paul, the preacher, begins greeting his fellow servants. Now, I didn't read that section for you because I know you love to go back and read and see if these things jump out at you. 
he, he starts that particular chapter off with prayer and he thanks God for the people uh, that he thought about and those he was close to. He was encouraging them and he was asking God the Father that um, for them that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So he's praying for them that they would be encouraged uh, so that you may be able to discern is what verse 10 says, what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's wonderful to have someone that loves you like that and it cares about you that much that they would lift up your name to the Father. After Paul ends his prayer, he shares what's occurred in his life. So that's where I started with verse 12. Paul's in, Paul is in prison. He's in chains. And he testifies that his chains resulted in a different reaction than his jailers had intended. Putting Paul in chains was supposed to cause fear in those who would consider following him. But it had the opposing effect. In verse 12, it said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. That's significant because serving Christ does not mean things will be filled with positive outcomes. In fact, here's a point. Adverse or negative circumstances does not defeat the plan of God. It can actually advance God's plan. Knowing that we serve a God of the impossible and the implausible, that stuff that you don't think is any way possible is going to happen, we shouldn't have to go through rough times and valleys. Yet, it is precisely what Paul has been arrested for. It's one thing to be arrested for disobeying the law, but when you've been arrested for doing nothing wrong, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yet, God does allow it. Paul's preaching put him in, in an undesirable position. Yet and still, God used it to bolster the confidence of his believers. He said in verse 14, Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. People follow a good leader. Was everyone pe preaching for the right reason? According to the scripture, no. Some indeed preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, and that goes on today. Let us not be deceived. Some do it out of envy and rivalry, but others, they do it out of goodwill. But the bottom line for Paul was that their, their motives aren't pure and they can stir up trouble for him while, while doing that, while he was in chains. He said, but what does it matter? The important thing is this, that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Put yourself in his position. Is that something that you could really do? to be arrested for something that you did not do and yet still rejoice because the will of God is being accomplished? Okay, that's some kind of faith. There are people out here today competing to preach the gospel. They compete for various reasons, whether it's to amass the biggest congregations or build bigger buildings or inflate their egos. You know, you may not like it, but if people are getting saved and the kingdom of God is growing, leave the judging to the Lord and do what you're supposed to do. God's word encourages us to endure. Paul endured. But let's be honest. How many of you want to be locked up for proclaiming the gospel? Here's a, another point I want to bring out. God can use a negative situation to advance his message. If churches are growing and preachers preach the word despite their motives, leave that judgment. It frees you from any anxiety you may be feeling about the unfairness of it all. Leave God's stuff to God and focus on what you've been called to do. Sounds like the first point, doesn't it? <laughs> Paul didn't think much of his life, but how Christ could be magnified within him, that was important. 
he was willing to die for Christ. I had to think about it. What causes the kind of passion that whether he lived or died, that Christ would be his focus? In verse 21, he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul didn't just have a one moment experience on the Damascus road. His encounter with Christ changed his entire life. He was never the same, so much so that God gave him a new name. It was a life-changing moment. Let me tell you what I mean. Some of you understand that life-changing moments uh, experience made that Paul experienced because you may have had that moment. So you may understand that moment that Paul experienced that life-changing moment because you've had one. It was that moment when you came into the church and your soul was so heavy and plagued. You felt low and things were going on at home and or you received a bad report from the doctor. You didn't know how you were going to pay your bills and your job was threatening layoffs or you fill in the blanks. You know how you felt when you were at your lowest or maybe that point where you didn't know what direction you were going. Or maybe like Paul, you thought you were doing the right thing and then all of a sudden God reveals his truth to you. What was your life changing moment? Or have you even had one? It's that moment when you went to church and you felt God's presence and your soul became on fire. You leave church, but the church is still with you. And you go to the grocery store, and you could still hear that song that, that just did something to your soul ringing in your ears. And you can still feel the prayers that are consuming you. And the preach word got down in the depths of your heart and you want to hear it again. So you go to the, your device and you hit replay. You can go to church, sing, pray, shout, hear a profound word, and feel good because of it. But it's when you walk out the doors of the church and what you heard, what you felt, what you sang about, and what you experienced, it doesn't leave you. It stays with you. That's a Damascus encounter. When you can still experience God moving in your life, developing a passion for him, that's the kind of passion that will let you lay down in peace and get up in peace. Your situation hasn't changed, but neither has God. And because he has not changed, you can say like the Apostle Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You ought to want that kind of life. That's the kind of life that I want to live. The kind of life knowing that God's got me and God's got you. Paul was beaten. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned and betrayed. He suffered trials and persecution for the sake of Christ. He went without food and sleep and shelter and was often alone and without support. But he did not waver in his confidence in Christ. Paul had some kind of resolve. He was committed to Christ. But there was something else that kept him going. Something that kept him moving and wouldn't allow him to relent. He possessed something he could hold on to when there was nothing to hold on to. Paul had what I call blessed assurance. What is blessed assurance? Let's talk about it. In 1873, there was a woman by the name of Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby wrote over 9,000 hymns, including the song, Blessed Assurance. It's a song that reminds us of our security in Jesus Christ. We've heard different renditions, but the words remain the same. She was a courageous woman. She lost her eyesight, believe it or not, at the age of six weeks old or six weeks of age. And it was due to a poorly trained doctor who applied a mustard poultice, or they called it a mustard plaster poultice, to her eyes and it rendered her blind. Yet, even as a child, 
she realized she had something special, a special gift. We would assume that she had a tough life, but she didn't see it that way. She felt she had a full life, even without sight. Notice I said full life, not an easy life. She was educated. She taught at the school that she graduated from, which was the New York Institute for the Blind. And she met her husband there, who was also blind. He was a musician at the age of 20. He, too, was sight impaired. She became a mother, but the infant did not live. Yet her response to the loss was this. I became a mother and knew a mother's love, but the angels came down and took her, our infant up to God, end quote. One day in 1873, while visiting a friend, a musician, she played a tune and asked Fanny, what does this tune say? And Fanny took a few minutes. She knelt down and prayed. She got up and said, it says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And so the words of that song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, oh, what a foretaste of glory defined. See, you can hear those words from a different perspective when you know her story. Heir of salvation, salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. She wrote that even in the midst of having had such a challenging life. She says, perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. A woman who could not see could see those visions of rapture. She saw angels descending, bring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. Is it your story today, brothers and sisters? Is this your song? No matter the circumstance, are you praising the Savior all the day long? You see, what Fanny Crosby learned through her difficult times was that she had been by she had she had been seen by God. When asked about being blind, she said, if I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. And then the other thing she said was, it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. And I thank him for the dispensation. If perfect earthly sight were offered to me tomorrow, I wouldn't accept it. I might not have sung hymns to praise to the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. Fanny died at the age of 95 years of age. She didn't see her challenges or her loss as punishment. What she saw, she saw with her spiritual eyes. She saw Jesus. Oh, hmm, that we should see Jesus. She had faith in God's grace and his favor. It was where her confidence came from. Being blessed is the enviable position to receive God's favor. It's grace and assurance. It's grace and assurance, and it is, a, it is a positive declaration intended to give confidence, a promise. Blessed assurance, a confident position God grace gives to receive his favor. Fanny was confident, and so was Paul. That's why life or death didn't matter to him. To live is Christ to die his gain, because Paul was convinced that he couldn't lose. 
He was convinced that if he lived, he would enjoy salvation, his salvation. If he died, he would enjoy heaven. He had a two-way assurance. To live is Christ, to die is gain. What about you? Is your living about living for Christ? Jesus was Paul's consolation. It was his example. It was because of Christ he was enabled to rejoice. There was nothing he couldn't do as long as Christ was in his life. And you know what, brothers and sisters, the Lord promised he would never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus was and would supply all of his needs and all of our and your needs. His joy came from doing the will of God, building the church, and sharing the good news. Can you say the same? Do you have blessed assurance? Can you sing that song of praise no matter your circumstance? Do you have confidence in God to say whether I live or whether I die? It's okay. If you don't have it, you can have it. It's available to you. God is no respecter of persons and living a life for Christ is blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation. Purchase of God. He repurchased you. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Is that your story today? Is this your song? Are you praising the Savior in season and out of season, in good times and in bad? That's blessed assurance. Until next time, brothers and sisters, be sure, see the sunrise, see Christ in everyday situations. God bless you.